Open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. How many of you are thankful, excited about having a day off tomorrow? Isn't that fun? And the idea is, now Labor Day, I don't, I don't remember the history of Labor Day, it's probably communist, who knows, but... I'm just grateful for a day off. Now, I'm not going to have a day off. I'm flying. I'll leave tomorrow. I fly out of Cincinnati to fly to DeLand to help Brother Knox with his church building down there. And then I'll fly back tomorrow night. So, so much for Labor Day for me. But I like the idea of taking time off of work. That That's a good thing. Jesus Christ, when he saw that the, the burden on his disciples... He sent them across the Sea of Galilee to to get some rest. He says, come rest a while. And you remember that, that sometimes I'll preach that message on on this weekend. Rest is good. Rest is a good thing. And one of the things that I love so much about pastoring here in Sydney, Ohio, is I don't have to try to encourage you people to work hard. I have to encourage you to take a break. Isn't that cool? I, I like people like that. Can I be honest? I, I told the guys this morning, we have a prayer meeting with our leaders, that I almost have to ask God forgiveness ahead of times, ahead of time, because sometimes on Sunday, I'll say, hey, it's good to see you. And honestly, it's not really good to see you. <laughs> I'm thankful that that's not the case for Grace Baptist. But how many of you, honestly, lazy people get you down? Would you raise your hand? It just, they just, how many of you have employees that are kind of lazy? Have you ever had a boss that's lazy? There's nothing worse than a lazy boss. And I'm thankful that that's not really an issue here. You people, y'all need to sit down once in a while, take a break. And what's fun is the Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 gives us some instruction on this. Now, you know, we're preaching through the book of Acts. I actually have a message ready from the Acts study, but I knew we'd have people gone on vacation. We'd have guests who are here for the holiday. And so I decided to do something different. And as I was driving through the mountains in Colorado, first of all, if you've never been through like Rocky Mountain National Park, you've never been up over the mountains in Colorado, I can't describe to you what that looks like. The sky there is just different. The the sun is, as you can see by my sunburn, if, if, if you see things coming off my face, I'm not diseased. I, I just am not designed for the sun, okay? And I'm closer to the sun there. So if you see things, chunks of skin falling off of me, how many of you think that's kind of gross? Hey, this is my life. I don't know what to tell you. I'm an albino. Um, so, this it, Just being there, it brought some things to mind that I'm going to show you from the scriptures today, a very familiar passage. And then for you preachers that are here, because I know we got a bunch of preachers here in this room, this is the beauty of preaching the Bible. I didn't remember the tie-in to labor in the text that I want to preach. And I just happened to read the verses before the verses I wanted to preach. And it's about labor. It's, just, it's like God wrote the sermon for me. Imagine that, that that's what we're supposed to do. Okay, so look at look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and look with me at verse 9. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9. And what's the purpose of this? Why are we here? What is the purpose of, of me standing up here talking to you? And that is that God has things from his word that he wants us to know and to do. The job of the preacher is to communicate those things and then apply it to where you are today. Because we don't live 2,000 years ago when this was written. All right, so now let's look at verse 9. You know, let's look at verse 7 to start. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 7. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one under the chair in front of you or near there. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Now, how many of you know that God doesn't want you to be wicked? How many of you already knew that? Holiness, what that word means, holiness, it means we're different from the world. God is holy, and that's he's completely separate. He's completely other. You will never be as holy as God until you're out of this body and he gives you complete righteousness and holiness, right? So I don't have time to go into that whole story, but that's kind of where we're going. So this is what God has called us to, right? I think it was Harry Truman. He was known for being a man of few words. So he went to church and someone said, what did the preacher preach on today? He said, sin. Well, what, what did he say about it? He's against it. <laughs> that was, that, and how many of you know that already, right? And so God has not called us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Verse 8. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. So despising, when we think of despising, we think of hating something. I despise that. In the Bible, when it uses that word despise, it means that you just don't think about it. You just ignore it. So the Bible talks about Jesus Christ when he went to the cross. He despised the shame. Didn't consider it. Didn't think about the shame. He did it for you and for me. But what this is talking about, don't despise or don't ignore God's call to holiness. When you do that, you're not talking. So if I tell you, okay, God wants you to be holy, you're not ignoring me. You're ignoring God because it is God who said that we need to be holy. Are you all following me? Okay, now, okay, what does that have to do with labor? Let's look at what it says. Verse 9, but I've got to say this, verse, end of verse 8, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. So there are three persons of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We call that the Godhead or the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is with us all the time. So if you're born again, if you're saved, as we were talking about earlier, when you are born again, when you ask Jesus Christ to save you, he does. And what happens when he does that is the Holy Spirit of God actually comes and dwells in you. And I'm just telling you, you're different. It changes you. When the Holy Spirit comes to how does that work? I don't know. It's a mystery. It's the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. Not only that, but you are placed by the Holy Spirit into Christ. You become one with Christ. Isn't that a blessing? That's just, that's what salvation is. It's not religion. Now, we do have religion, right? We have religion. There are things that we do, and we, you know, we come here, everybody's sitting in the chairs, everybody has their Bible, we come at a certain time. Basically, if it's Grace Baptist, there's food, right? So this is, this is our religion. This is, these that's not what saves you, okay? It's Christ Jesus, and so he's given us the Holy Spirit. Verse 9. But as touching brotherly love, 
You need not that I write unto you. How many of you have heard that song? It's a Kenny Chesney song, The Boys of Fall. Have you heard that? And it's, it's, it's about the football team. And I, like, I love the line. It, it's a, uh, how's it? You, you want one of us, you've got us all. So you're going to fight? You're going to fight one of us? You, that's the team. That's what, you know, you're going to stand with each other. That's brotherly love. So at Grace Baptist Church, that's, I love it that that's what we have here. And that's what Paul says. Look at what he says here too. So the Apostle Paul wrote this. The Holy Spirit gave him the words, but he wrote it down. Look at what it says in verse uh, 9. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you. And I feel that same way here at Grace Baptist. I, I don't need to instruct you on how to work. I don't need to instruct you on, on how to be friends and how to, how to love your brother. You guys do that. We have, we have a, a, a great community here. Look at what he says, though. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, I, I like it what somebody said years ago. I heard this years ago. Boys wrestle because that's the way that, that that's the only way that you can hug without it being weird. <laughs> you know, the little the little boy, he likes a little girl. So what does he do? He pulls her hair. He pushes her. Right? But what, the, we people they just naturally congregate to each other. And then when you have the Holy Spirit, when you're a Christian, you congregate in a different way. There's a reason that we come here together. It's because we believe in the same Lord. We have the same cause. We're trying to reach the community. We're trying not to be like the world. We're trying to be different. Not in a weird way, right? We're not Amish. I got to tell you, you heard about the Amish lady that divorced her husband? All the electricity was gone from the relationship. That's, that's quality. I don't care what you say. That's quality. Okay. <laughs> what do you call Batman when he leaves church early? Christian Bale. Okay. okay. <laughs> come, come back to the Bible now. Come on. Here, here we go. I'm a little tired. Sorry. So look at what it says. So you're taught of God, the end of verse 9, to love one another. Verse 10. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia, and we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. So this is so fun. You guys love, we're together, we do have love for each other, do it better. Love more. There, There are some newer people. And, and you've not really been able to plug in. Well, that's not your fault. Somebody plug them in, right? Let, let, let's, let's all do that. So we haven't gotten to the message yet. Here's the message. Verse 11, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you, or as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. So, Labor Day. Brotherly love, you have it, increase more and more, and then study to be quiet. How about you mind your own business? Right? Some of us get in trouble at work because we get in other people's business. Just be quiet and do your own work. Don't worry about the guy doing the job next to you. Do your own job and keep your mouth shut. 
Is that what it just said? And notice what it says. Study to be quiet. What does that mean? Learn how to shut up. Which being interpreted, do your own job. See, sometimes Christians get in trouble and they think it's because they're Christians. No, it's because they can't, don't know when to not talk. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, pot. Right? This ought to be my life's verse right here. Okay? So, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business. And to work with your own hands as we have commanded you. Man, it is an awful thing um, when somehow people think that it's okay not to work. Now, if you're completely disabled and you can't do work, that's not what we're talking about. Are you all with me on that? And we're supposed to help those people. But if you're... How many of you have heard that rich men north of Richmond? I'm sure you have, that song that's gone viral and everybody's talking about it. And if you're five foot four and 300 pounds, I shouldn't buy your fudge rounds. Right? And we all agree. How many of you agree with that? Be honest. How many of you agree with that? Right? That's biblical. Here's what Paul said. If a man would not work, neither should he eat. What does the Bible say? If you don't want to work, go ahead and die. That's what the Bible says. And what's fun is that's what fits in our community. Laura sat on a jury once, and it was a um, an accident, somebody suing a company or whatever, some kind of an accident or whatever. And we all believe that if a company is liable, they ought to pay, right? But this is a person that just didn't want to work. Shelby County is the wrong county to try and win that case, Okay, and she didn't have a chance. This person didn't have a chance, especially with Laura on the jury. Okay, so we all get that. The Bible says that you are supposed to work. I don't need to preach you that, preach that to you. But how does this fit in with Labor Day, with broader Christianity? Well, you can do everything you're supposed to do and still have trouble. You get to a place where your health, your your, your health fails. And you need hope. Because let me tell you, hard work does not solve every problem. It solves a lot of them, but it doesn't solve every problem. Because ultimately, you're going to work hard. Some of you factory workers, you get to a certain age and your hands hurt. It's harder to keep doing that work. You know, plumbers, you you don't see a lot of old plumbers. I mean, you see plumbers that get old, but you don't see a lot of plumbers that that are up in years. Why? Because it's hard to get under the sink. It's hard to climb under the house. You get to where there are physical problems that you have. Well, what about sickness? What about illness? What about unforeseen things? Things that you just can't plan for. Trouble, emotional problems, relationship problems. What about when government goes crazy? And you look out and you see people saying things. A guy saying he's a girl and, and I'm, I have to agree with them. You have craziness that's going on. What do we need to remember? Look at the next verse. Oh, wait a minute. We've got, we've got to read verse 12. Verse 11, just for the context. And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business 
and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. So that hard work is a command, right? It's an apostolic command from an apostle that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. So let's, let's talk about that for just a minute. What does labor do? So it, it's good to work with your hands. It's a commandment. It's a commandment to labor. One thing to remember is that labor existed before the fall. Adam was working. He was given a job to do. So work is not punishment, right? It's actually very fulfilling. Labor existed before the fall. Labor is good. So what does labor do? According to our verse, it it demonstrates honesty to the lost. If you're not a good worker, they don't want to hear your faith. Don't be lazy and then try and tell people about Jesus because Jesus was not lazy and that's not what he has commanded us to do, right? So it demonstrates honesty to the lost and it keeps you and your family from lacking those things that are necessary for life. But that's not all there is. Notice this doctrinal shift. Look at verse 13. But, right, contrasting conjunction, but I would not have you to be ignorant So to quote Michael Bermond, don't be dumb. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. So this is to believers. This is to people who have asked Christ to save them. they, They didn't take communion. They didn't get baptized. These are saved people. When you're born again, then you take communion and you get baptized. That stuff does not cause you to be a Christian. Amen? You have to be saved, born again. Ask Christ to save you, all right? But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, here asleep, I'm I'm not going to take the time to go all through the Bible to demonstrate. It's talking about dead people, all right? But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Look at what it says. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. How many of you have had somebody that you love and they've died? Well, it doesn't matter if you're saved or not. When you lose somebody that you love, it hurts. Bad. But it's interesting. Saved people who lose saved people, they're going to sorrow. But it's a different kind of sorrow. Man, I went to a funeral for a preacher. And this guy was, I don't know, 85, 88 years old or something. And... It was the saddest thing I've ever been to. And I'm thinking, I I, I went home and I told Laura, my funeral better not be like that. I want my funeral to be a celebration that I'm in heaven. Now, if somebody's 35 years old, that's a, that's, I don't care. Saved or not, that's a, that's a hard thing. Y'all following me? But if I'm 80 years old and go home to be with the Lord, celebrate with me. Right? Laura's going to be celebrating. That's going to <laughs> celebrate with me. Are you with me? We had a lady in our church in Oklahoma, and she, we had a men's group that would sing, and they, they had this song, um, I want to, I want to hear the glory roll when the roll is called in glory. I want to get beside myself when I get beside the king that day. I'm going to have the time of my life when the time of my life is over. I'm going to get carried away when I get carried away. So she had that sung at her funeral. Isn't that the way Christians are supposed to die? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is not all there is. 
We, we sorrow not as others which have no hope. It's different. It is different. It, notice, this is the context of this. Work hard. But this isn't all there is. But, I would not have you to be bre- uh, ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Why don't they have hope? So, Laura and I have a son. Riley, he's in heaven. My mom and dad are in heaven. I know that I can see mom and dad. Why? I have hope. They're saved. They're born again. I get to see them again. This is not the end. This isn't all that is. I have hope. Why don't they have hope? If you're not born again, your future is hell. And and I don't mean that in a colloquial way. I mean literal fire forever. There's no hope in that. It never ends. It's eternal. It never ends. But we have hope. Not because we're Baptist. Not because we're special. Because we believe in Jesus Christ. He has saved us. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe... See, there's an if there. Do you see that? If. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. How many of you believe that Jesus died and rose again? Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this I say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Now that word prevent there, that's pre-event. We're not going to precede them. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The Lord himself. The Lord himself. Jesus Christ is coming. The Lord himself. Shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. What does that sound like? I know it doesn't sound like me. Right? Kermit the frog, right? I know it doesn't sound like me. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. What does the trump of God now, I love trumpets. I used to play a trumpet. I had to stop because it's kind of hard to get mellow with a trumpet. You know what I mean? But what does the trumpet of God sound like? Wow. Y'all okay over here? You don't have any idea what I'm talking about? Okay, all right. Doesn't matter. And then it says, in the dead, in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay, so now I'm going to preach my message here in just five minutes or something. So, this labor, that's not all that there is. This day-to-day work, these rules, work hard, mind your own business, right? That's not all there is. Jesus Christ is returning. And it could be today. This isn't just some myth or some some pie-in-the-sky thing. Jesus Christ is coming back. And I don't know about you guys. How many of you, you remember hearing that all the time? We don't hear about that a lot anymore. Jesus Christ is coming back, and it could be today. But why is this important for today? So this right here is from our discipleship lesson on Baptist 
doctrine and, and on, on what it means to be a Baptist, but there are certain things that all Christians believe. I actually taught this at your church, Gavino. So the things that we all believe in the virgin birth. How many believe Jesus Christ was born of a virgin? Right? And we know what that is. It's a woman that doesn't know a man, and that's a miracle of God. Then the deity of Christ, that Jesus Christ actually is God. He didn't become God. He is God. He existed before he was born. He exists after his death. He is still God. And then the Godhead Trinity. You, you have to believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three in one. That's, that's what it means to be, uh, to, to, that's part of being a Christian. And then the, the vicarious atonement. That is that he was our substitute. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. He died, he, Kyle, Jesus died for you. Jesus died, Gavino, he died for you. Ed, he died for you. Every person in this room, if you were the only person in the world, Jesus died for you as your substitute because that's what you deserve. He died, he, he paid, uh, we talked about hell, that your penalty is hell. Jesus paid that penalty. Well, then why do I have to go? Well, you have to accept the payment. It, you, you have to make that choice. How many of you were raised being taken to church, right? You're, you, you had a drug problem. You're drugged to church. You just, you, you, you're taken. This is, that's not Christianity. You have to make that choice at some point yourself. Then the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have to believe Jesus rose from the dead. And notice that's what it says, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that, that's, that's the, the, the requirement. And then salvation is by grace through faith alone. If you think you can work your way to heaven, you are not a Christian. Because the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy, he saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. So if you believe your salvation includes works, you're not a Christian. Let me say that again. If you believe your salvation includes works, you are not a Christian. Because the Bible says, not of works. It's very simple. Very simple. Then, this is, this is tying it all together. Now, y'all labor. I can see some of you are going to sleep already. Let's just finish it up with this. The visible return of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe Jesus Christ is coming back, you are not a Christian. Really important. Jesus Christ is coming back. So, this text is the rapture of the church. Verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. They're going to come up out of the ground and rise. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord. So that, that word rapture comes from being caught up. We're going to be taken out. This is the doctrine of the rapture. And this doctrine of the rapture is vital. So all true Christians believe those other doctrines that I've just described. At least two of those fundamental doctrines are intrinsically related to the rapture of the church. What does intrinsically mean? It's an adverb. It's an essential or natural way. So murder is intrinsically evil. I think music and spirituality are intrinsically linked. That's the, that's the dictionary definition of it. Isn't it interesting that our music is related to our spirituality, even in the world, outside of Christianity? That's interesting, isn't it? In the definition of intrinsic, that's the example that they use. And so, at least two of these fundamentals that we just listed are intrinsically related to this rapture. 
the bodily resurrection of Jesus, and the visible return of Christ. So how are they related? Well, obviously, the rapture is related to the visible return of Christ because the Lord himself is going to discern from heaven. And it's the Lord himself. But how does the rapture, how is the rapture related to the bodily resurrection of Christ? So notice what it says in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So let me just read some verses to you real quick. So how is the rapture related to the bodily resurrection of Christ? John 14, 19. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. So we're all going to die, and yet we're going to live. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we're going to rise from the dead. Romans 6, 8. Now if we be dead with Christ, what does that mean if we be dead with Christ? If you die in Christ. That's what 1 Thessalonians 4 talks about, Right? For if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. 2 Corinthians 13, 4. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lived, he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. 2 Timothy 2, 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. What's, what's repetition? God's volume control. How many of you think that because Jesus Christ died and rose again, we're going to rise again? When does that happen? That's the rapture. How, how is the rapture connected with the, the doctrine of the resurrection? First of all, it's mentioned in the rapture passage, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So it's really important that the rapture is when every dead Christian will be resurrected. Man, I love it. When my, when my mom, at the end of her life, she was so weak. The last time I saw her, I went into the hospital room, and the family was already gathered around her. She had been unconscious for a long time, and she revived, as sometimes happens before people go home to be with the Lord. And she had a, 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 a trach in, so she couldn't talk. But I walked in, she looked up, her, and her face brightened up, and she mouthed, there's my preacher. You know what? Mom can talk now. Whenever we'd go to the house towards the end of her life, she'd have a, a heating thing around her neck and shoulder because she was in so much pain. She had, had cancer and all these different... She was, she was struggling. You know, you know what the hope is? First of all, is that she's with Christ. And secondly, that that body... The Bible says we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the trump of God. It's going to happen in a moment. And it says, and we shall all be changed from corruptible to incorruptible. What, what is it? Mom's corruptible body. And so if she's buried in Crown Point, Indiana, if we dug up that body, that body would be corrupting right now. But that exact same body is going to be resurrected. That's the doctrine of the resurrection. That's what this teaches. That's hope. I'm going to see mom again but without suffering. Dad, when dad, before dad died, he had reverted to, I don't know, like a 12-year-old or something. My last conversation with my father, remember, my dad was a highly educated guy, very brilliant, very gifted guy. My last conversation with him, he was watching this little television set. And he, we had bought him a nice big TV, but he liked this little thing because it had a video, a VCR, and he could watch his old TV shows like Canon and Mannix and those kinds of shows. And Canon... He was showing it, and he's telling me what was going on on that show as if it was really happening. 
he couldn't tell the difference. Can I tell you something? When dad, when that body comes up out of the ground, he's going to be better than he ever was because this mortal must put on immortality. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 teaches. This is our hope. See, this is what comes. This hope comes from believing every word of God literally. When we do that, there are certain doctrines that come out. And and this doctrine is vital. This doctrine is a tremendous example of the importance of this literal interpretation. This is where we hope we find our hope. So this is it and I'm done. What doctrine do we learn from this? First of all, imputed righteousness. What does that mean? That means that when I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, Jesus made me righteous. I'm not righteous. Jesus is. Amen? How many of you would agree with that? I'm not righteous. Jesus is. And I gave, the Bible says it this way. He who knew no sin, he knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He's made me righteous in him. So notice what it says in our text, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep, what are those next two words? In Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. How do you get in Christ? 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. What body is that? The body of Christ. We are in him. We are seated with him in heavenly places right now. In him. That's what it means to be saved. Are you with me? Okay, hey, listen, if you don't, I'll start over. I will. We're in him. Verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead. What's the next word? Two words. What is it? Next two words. In Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. With them in the clouds, okay? So, imputed righteousness, even so them which sleep in Jesus. But here's another really important doctrine that's taught. Eternal security. Eternal security. When you're born again, when you ask people, if you died today, let me ask you, if you died today, if you died today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? Are you sure? Here's the answer that we, you, you say it. What is the answer that we get the most when we ask that question? I hope so. Or I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. No, no. I know. Here's what, here's what John wrote in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. That these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. So what does the rapture have to do with this doctrine of eternal life? Look at what it says in verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, 
Can we all read this last part of the verse together? And so shall we ever be with the Lord forever. Forever. You know what? I'm going to be with the Lord forever. I'm going to be with mom and dad forever. Our son Riley, who died when he was four and a half months old, what would he have looked like? I guarantee you he would have been better looking than Jacob. What? What would he, what would he look like? We're going to know. He only, he, he had an extra finger on one hand. He had, his chin didn't really develop. He only had one eye. His forehead protruded. We just loved him. We'd be, you know, putting, wheeling him in the, the, the car seat or whatever. And somebody would go, look at him. They'd be shocked because he, he, he was, didn't look like you and me. Little Riley. What's he going to look? I'm, I'm going to see him. That's our hope. See, and it's not I hope so. We have hope. We have it. Because it's a hope in something that's sure. But here's what else I know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, this doctrine of the rapture, it's tied to imputed righteousness. I I die in Christ. I'm, I'm in him. Is there any sin in Christ? Let me ask that again. Is there any sin in Christ? Well, if I'm in Christ and I'm such a sinner, then there would have to be sin in Christ. No, no, no. He made me righteous. I'm not righteous. He made me righteous and I'm in him. So the doctrine of the rapture is related to the doctrine of of, of the imputed righteousness of Christ, but it's also related to eternal security. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Is there any hope in that? How about you? If you died today, are you sure? I hope so. None of you can know. All you have to do is ask him to save you. But it's more than that. If you were hanging from a a cliff and somebody came by and you said, save me, they can humanly grab you and bring you up. No human, no, no human can save you from hell. Only Jesus can. And so here are the requirements. Number one, you believe that you're a sinner and that that sin is bad enough to take you to hell. It's individual, it's personal, it's not national, it's not family, it's you. You believe that your sin is bad enough to take you to hell. And you believe that Jesus Christ actually is God. Who died on the cross for your sin individually. He was buried and he rose from the dead the third day. And that proved that he's God. If you believe that, and you believe that that sacrifice is enough to save you, and you cry out to him for mercy, and ask him to save you, it says it this way. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what the gospel is. That's what Gavino is going to preach. A lot better than I just did. That's what he's going to preach. That's what you have to believe. Doesn't matter if you're a Baptist. Doesn't matter if you're a Catholic. Doesn't matter if you're a Jehovah's Witness or a Presbyterian. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're an American. It doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is Jesus is God. You're a sinner. He died on the cross for you. For God so loved the world 
If you'll ask him to save you, he will. That's our hope on Labor Day. That's our hope. Jesus Christ is coming back. Let's all stand together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for salvation. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the opportunity to preach it.